Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So uh, I didn't know if you, uh, or I don't know if you know this, but humans are opportunistic omnivores. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Basically, we eat everything that's available to us um, that doesn't outright poison us. Um, so um, this thing called The Omnivore's Dilemma, which, by the way, is a great book. Have you ever read that, that book by um, this guy, Michael Pollan? No, I have not. It's really, it was written maybe 15 years ago or so. Um, but the omnivore's dilemma is basically, you know, if, if we basically eat everything, what, what should we be eating, you know, within, within that large variety? So obviously the, we, we have this raging debate these days about what is the best diet. And on the one hand, you probably have vegans. Um, and on the other hand, um, you have, um, People who say a, a carnivore diet is is the best diet. So literally, there are people who eat nothing but meat. Right. If you can imagine, um, I actually follow one of them on um, on uh, Instagram, and he's an he's a MD. I want to say, and he's got all kinds of reasons why you know that makes sense. Um, but obviously, then you have everything in between. Um, so. You know, confusion reigns, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm curious. Do, do you see within your practice talking to patients um, a lot of confusion? Yeah, um, it's probably um, one of the biggest topics of conversation, just because so much of what we do is preventative care and wellness visits, and a big part of that is obviously your diet. But then also people asking me, everyone wants to lose weight. Um, everyone's always trying to, you know, drop some pounds, and they're asking me about different types of diets. So it is a, it's definitely common um, when there's another kind of fad diet too, like keto. Is keto good for me? Is it bad for me? Um, and then finding out, you know, sometimes how misled some people are and they think they're eating healthy but they're really not um mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah and then other people who um take recommendations but maybe take them too literal um and then i feel like miss out on a lot of foods that are still really good and healthy for you but they're like you know no fruit fruit has sugar so i don't eat fruit anymore um <laughs> so you know. and, and it is true that that fructose particularly if you're losing trying to lose weight isn't the best but fresh fruit is generally part of a right. acknowledged to be part right. of a healthy diet right. yeah gotta have some balance exactly exactly well you know there's 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 no easy, you know, kind of solution for, for what is the, the best diet. And, and obviously we're, we're up against, you know, the, the challenge 
for certainly us uh, in the developed world is we're up against um, a, a huge marketing machine. Yeah, so everything from McDonald's and all those other fast food food enterprises to the you know potato chip manufacturers and whatever. Mm-hmm. So we got this huge marketing machine up against us, and we've got our evolutionary tendencies to you know when food is available to to really pack on the calories. Um, that's just the way we were, and therefore and store those cal- calories very efficiently. Right. Yeah. Just because our, as we've discussed before, excuse me, our ancestors who weren't able to do that either weren't um, motivated to to store calories when excess calories were available or, or um, physiologically adapted to, to, you know, turn extra calories into fat. They died when, when there was a, you know, a famine, let's say. Yep. So that's that's the challenge. So um, against that challenge, you know, what what are the most effective diets for health and longevity? Not and not necessarily we're going to talk about not necessarily from a kind of a losing weight perspective, but just general health and longevity. Right. Because losing weight is a kind of another. Kind of a, right. Piece. They're they're different. Um, they're kind of different entities. Diet for weight loss and then diet for health and wellness. You know, I like, and you tell me, but I, I like, um, you know, we, I've mentioned his name before, Peter Atia, this, this doctor. Um, I like the way, from a weight loss perspective, the way he kind of frames it as you've got kind of three levers uh, on the, uh, in terms of food that you can pull if you're trying to lose weight. It's either what you eat, you know, do you eat a whole lot of processed carbs, et cetera. It's when you eat. In other words, are you intermittent fasting or whatever? And it, then it's how much you eat, the calorie mm-hmm. counting piece. And, you know, if you wanted to maximize your weight loss, you'd pull all three levers. Right. And then maybe add the lever of up your exercise mm-hmm. so you burn more calories, you know. Um, but but I think it's helpful also to think of it, okay, and I, I've seen it with myself. If I'm not pulling on at least one of those three levers, then I'm probably going to be gaining weight. Right. You know, if I'm eating whatever I oh, want to eat, yeah. whenever I yeah. want to eat, and how much of what I want to eat, then I'm probably going to eat. If I pull on one of them, or definitely two of them, I can maintain. And then, you know, and sometimes two of them is enough to to, to mm. reduce weight. So maybe that's that's fodder for another uh, for another <laughs> podcast where where I'm, I'm, I'm as as usual I'm going <laughs> off <laughs> off on a tangent. So let's talk about the the this. Um, this study, actually, it was a paper published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology in September. So relatively recently, um, the authors are seven renowned physicians and researchers, um, and they propose what they call a PESCO Mediterranean diet in combination with intermittent fasting as the most effective approach. So what they haven't done is, is create a new study. They're looking at previous studies synthesizing that through this meta-analysis they're doing and coming out with this um, with this conclusion. And they readily admit at the at the end of it that that more um, more s- studies need to be done specifically around this um, and certainly uh, around the component of intermittent fasting as, as, right. as part of it. Um, but essentially what this pesco Mediterranean diet is, is a foundation of vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, legumes, which are beans, basically whole grains, and extra virgin olive oil. 
with fish and seafood being the primary protein source plus some fermented dairy products like let's say yogurt um and then the, the they say the beverages of choice are water coffee and tea um and then the time restricted eating is um is is recommended so you don't eat for anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day, which means you do eat within a 12 to eight mm-hmm. hour window per day. And this is overall, so. you know, I kind of talk to people about um, a, this is a diet that you can follow for lifetime. So some people are stuck on that word diet, go on a diet for, you know, three months and you tell people like, okay, yeah, you can go on a, a strict, strict diet for three months and then you know, you'll lose weight and, you know, feel better or whatever. But then if you can't sustain it, um, it's not going to, it's not going to last. So thinking of this quote unquote diet as more of a lifestyle change that becomes the way that you eat, you know, 80 or 90% of the time forever um, is more of a way to think about it. Not like, oh, I'm going to go on this pesco Mediterranean diet for six months. It's really, this is going to be my pesco Mediterranean lifestyle lifestyle exactly and you know again i guess this goes to personal choice but from my perspective um it gives you a lot of options number one uh, um it certainly gives you a lot of tasty Mm -hmm. options and again that's that's personal um and uh and there's some really good news in here that i'll that we'll hit on as we as we go along but i think it'd be helpful for for folks if we dive in a little bit to kind of the the each individual component and, and talk a little bit about why they recommend, you know, the, um, the various components the way they do. So we'll, we'll start out with fish and seafood. Tell, tell us why they are recommending fish and seafood be the kind of primary protein source. Maybe not as, um, as common in, I think the American diet, because I think a lot of people don't know, as well how to cook it and how to prepare it and what kinds they like and don't like or what kinds are good and bad. Um, But I think everyone could probably benefit from a little bit more fish and seafood. And studies show that the heart protection or cardio protection from these different types of fish um, are, are vast. And it's in particular because of their polyunsaturated fatty acids. So there's good fats and bad fats, but polyunsaturated fats are the good kind and you want those in your diet. Um, So this is showing, you know, a meta-analysis of 16 studies with, what they say, 422,000 observations um, focused on dietary fatty acids and cardiovascular risk um, reported a significant risk reduction when compared, um, when comparing extremes of omega-3 fatty acid intake. So this is, you know, the, the healthy polyunsaturated fatty acids um, compared to omega-3 fatty acids and the risk reduction for cardiovascular disease was about 13%. Um, so another kind of group of studies showing, I think there were 19 observational studies, 16 different countries. So it's not just looking at, you know, Americans, this is kind of across the board. Um, and they looked at plasma or fat tissue or adipose tissue. Um, and it was associated again with risk reduction of fatal and non-fatal coronary heart disease. So basically in, in summary, these healthy polyunsaturated fats are very, very, very cardioprotective and they help um, prevent coronary heart disease, which is heart disease in those arteries that um, feed blood to your heart. 
and higher fish consumption, of course, as long as it's not fried, because if you're going to fry anything, you kind of end up losing a lot of um, the health benefits or not necessarily losing the health benefits, but they're, they're counteracted by the negative effects of frying your food. Um, but also associated with reduced risk of heart failure and reduction in the incidence of metabolic syndrome. So across the board, whether it's metabolic syndrome, heart failure, heart attacks, um, these these fish are are really, really beneficial. They also have, you know, zinc, iodine, vitamins, calcium, magnesium, other things besides just the fatty acids um, that are really beneficial in, in your diet. And, and in fact, this is, you know, seafood isn't obviously unique to the Mediterranean diet. Um, if you look at um, some some populations, let's say within Japan, that are particularly long-lived, fish is an important part of their diet as well. So, uh, so now we, we should note that we do have to be careful about eating large amounts of long-lived ocean fish like tuna and swordfish because of uh, the potential amount of mercury in them, right? Haven't I heard that? Correct. Yes. Um, so I think that the highest level, like you said, yeah, tuna and swordfish are, are ones that come to mind, but there's a few other ones that are com more common than I even thought. I think I remember going out one time and wondering um, about like sea bass, Oh yeah. So yeah. smallmouth bass or something like that are are pretty high. Um, I'm just thinking about fish I see on menus because I pretty much stick with just honestly salmon or sometimes trout if we're cooking at home. Um, and but yeah, sea bass I think is a little bit higher too. And then of course shark, swordfish. I don't know who's eating shark. Eh, um, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, but even but halibut. Other... Even halibut is a fair amount. Yeah, does it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mm -hmm. I guess it's something to keep in mind. Again, particularly if you're on this on this diet, you're eating fish at least three times a week. Um, so one thing um, that I would note is I've heard that grass-fed beef has a higher concentration of omega-3 fatty acids than than grain-fed beef. So mm -hmm. it might be okay to limit to 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 take those in limited amounts. So. Right. Um, so actually, and might be a good time to, to digress slightly and because, and I always get confused the difference between omega six and omega three, like omega three is obviously the good, good for you, polyunsaturated mm -hmm. fat, omega six, not so good for you. Yeah. So, um, should have mentioned that, you know, back when initially starting to talk about the fish and seafood and the polyunsaturated fats, um, cause in general, unsaturated fats, especially polyunsaturated fats are going to be healthier for you and you want to stay away from saturated fats. But when you look at the different types, there's omega threes and omega sixes, omega threes are the ones that are really, really great for you. Um, few downsides. Um, but the sixes are not as, not as good. So you want to have an appropriate kind of ratio between your omega sixes and threes. Um, and I think the average American diet has a ratio of like 16 to one comparing the omega sixes to omega threes. And, um, that's much, much higher in omega sixes than we want. You want to try to keep it closer to, um, four to one ratio or even lower, um, even lower as low as one to one ratio. So you're getting just as many omega threes as you are omega sixes. Um, so like you said, grain fed beef, um, and then vegetable oils, um, have a lot of omega sixes in them. So you want to be careful while olive oil, um, has a better ratio of sixes to threes. Um, most vegetable ten, oils, yeah. 
Yeah, compared to vegetable oil. So that's why they always say like a good, the best cooking oil is usually olive oil because of the combination that it has of omega sixes and omega threes. But it's and it, and I did some research on this because that you know olive oil is such a big component of of a Mediterranean diet. I mean, literally, I go. We've been living you know here in Portland for the past six months or so, um, and and obviously your nono is is a big is a big cook here. So I I literally go to the Italian grocery store with him every other week to pick up, basically I think it's a half a gallon container of mm-hmm. uh, of all olive oil, extra virgin mm-hmm. olive oil. It's it's huge, and yep. so that's that's every other week going through that. That's a lot of olive oil. It's a lot of olive oil. So I do tell people to be mindful even of the healthier oils because they are still very calorically dense. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But um, so good. Let's let's now segue to tree nuts. So um, these are an integral component of traditional Mediterranean diet. And we should differentiate tree nuts are like cashews and almonds and walnuts. Um, peanuts are actually not a tree nut they grow in the ground so they're more of a, of a legume which is still good for you but we need to kind of um, or I, I and i certainly need to differentiate because i order peanuts by the like gallon really so peanuts i think are one too that have a higher ratio of omega-3s are they i gotta check i gotta want. check that out that would be good that would be good um, no i'm sorry i said that wrong higher ratio of omega-6s oh really? sorry okay. yeah no so um, I gotta, I gotta do some, I did, I have read that peanuts, um, have more protein than any other nut. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're high in protein. That's like, so when peanut butter, everyone loves peanut butter, but it's, you know, the dose is the, the it, poison it is the thing. Yep. So I got to watch out. And I, I, I think based on this, I need to mix in more almonds, walnuts, cashews, hazelnuts, yeah. all those, those types of things, because what they say is they're, they are very nutrient dense. So you've got mm-hmm. lots of unsaturated fats in there, fiber, protein, polyphenols, phytosterols, tocopherols, whatever they are, and non-sodium <laughs> minerals. So it's a pretty, what, what they say is it's a pretty unique nutritional profile, yeah. and they've definitely done randomized controls trials, which we've talked about being the gold standard um, and they find that those uh, that um, when you eat when you eat lots of those nuts, you definitely get uh, both cardio and metabolic um, benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, so better insulin sensitivity, which is important in terms of clearing glucose from our system, um, lowering inflammation overall, um, and and it's also good for our vascular system. So. Um, just a, a bunch of good ones. And and this has been validated in some very, very large studies. There's a, this Predimed study um, in Europe um, that indicated that one daily serving of mixed nuts resulted in a 28% reduction in cardiovascular disease risk. So yeah, just, significant. yeah, just, just, you know, one serving and mm-hmm. you're re- reduce, reduce, reducing by more than a, a quarter. Um, yeah. A lot. Pretty huge. Um, and but the, and the, actually, to your point around, you know, nuts are pretty um, high in calories. They, they do um, find that um, a, a generous intake of nuts doesn't promote weight gain because they they increase your satiety. Um, 
Yeah. So if you're eating satiety. So if you're eating them and it's filling you up and it's preventing you from snacking, you know, and taking in other excess calories, then yeah, they would be they wouldn't promote. And I I definitely find that so nuts are my go to snack food. Um, and I definitely find that if I if I do a small handful of nuts combined with um, a good, you know, couple of swallows of water, then yeah. that hunger pang tends to go away. Right? Yeah. The other thing they say is that um, part of that um, that calorie um, piece of the of the nut, which is in the fat, you just poop out. So <laughs> so you're not going to digest it yeah. all. So that right. helps. So, yeah. so that, that's nuts. Related to that, let's let's say our, our beans, legumes column. Um, why are they so important? Um, so these, I think, also are underappreciated. Um, they're so cheap um, and so easy to kind of prepare. Um, but the the beans and different legumes, really, really big part of the Mediterranean diet, um, and they're a source, a great source of protein. So it's plant vegetable protein not um you know your meat so if you're someone who is a vegetarian i you know that's a big um, portion of of protein and then they also carry a lot of folate magnesium fiber um, and then polyphenols like are in other seeds i think that we talked about um, and it's also linked with decreased risk of fatal cardiovascular disease and coronary artery disease um, it also helps improve blood glucose cholesterol levels blood pressure body weight um, so some people think that they're you know, they kind of stay away from them because it's in the, if you're doing like a really ultra low carb diet, beans have a lot of carbs in them. Um, but this is kind of why I think we struggle because there's so many good things about the different legumes that people miss out on if you're on an ultra low carb diet. So this is not, you know, when you, when you think about doing a low carb diet, you want to think more about the processed carbs and processed flours, not a can of beans because the can of beans is going to have so many other good things in it for you. Um, they also are very filling, um, and you know, can, can otherwise substitute your meat in lots of different meals. Right. So good source of protein, what have you, particularly if you're limiting red, red meat. So, right. so, um, so the next one is dairy products they, they recommend, but specifically it's interesting fermented low fat versions, such as yogurt, kefir and soft cheeses, Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to butter and hard cheese, which have higher levels of um, saturated that's fats. It, right. Yeah. And so that's just because you really don't want to be too heavy on full fat dairy otherwise, because it's all going to be your saturated fats. Yeah. I was frankly <laughs> happy to see yogurt in there. That's my mm-hmm. kind of go to uh, lunch along with those uh, frozen blueberries and chopped uh, almonds. So, so I, yeah. I, that, I'm three for three on that, on that <laughs> lunch. I think I can stick with that mm-hmm. as part of this uh, Pesco Med- Mediterranean diet. Um, how about eggs? I don't eat as many eggs as I used to. Um, <clears throat> but, We've uh, talked about eggs. Um, I think we did a whole podcast just on eggs mm-hmm. um, because they're so back, so back and forth as to, is it good? Is it bad? But I think in general, um, the benefits outweigh the negatives and the negatives. It's one of those things where we don't, everyone's a little bit different in how you process it. So it may be completely benign in most people, but some people actually struggle a little bit with the cholesterol that's in the egg. But in general, there's a ton of, um, essential amino acids. I think someone called it like the perfect food because it has your amino acids, lots of minerals like selenium, phosphorus, iodine, and zinc vitamins, A, D, and a couple of B vitamins and niacin, um, carotenoids and, 
that's and then the yolk has another 184 milligrams of dietary cholesterol um and that's i think where the the potential problem comes from because that's where you're also getting all of these other amino acids minerals and carotenoids they're not in the in the egg white the egg whites generally just protein all these other healthy things are in the yolk um so the most recent big studies have shown that that cholesterol that's in the yolk is not related to your own blood levels of cholesterol and doesn't increase your cardiovascular disease risk. Um, again, the caveat is in some people it might, and also you don't want to overdo it. So kind of stick with five egg yolks per week. Um, but again, provides great protein, um, non-animal protein and, um, vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and is filling. So should be part of kind of your, your regular diet. And as many whites as you, egg whites as you want. Yeah. I mean, egg whites are uh, just essentially really just protein, low, low calorie protein. Protein. Yeah. Um, So the next category is one near and dear to my heart, which is grains in general. So first whole grains, which are referred to as, uh, so I'll list them out, kind of barley, um, whole oats, rye, corn, buckwheat, brown rice, quinoa um, are, are big parts of this, this diet. You can, you can certainly eat them um, and, um, and be fine. The, you know, the, the, the issue, you know, not just with this diet, but with any diet is, is you want to stay away from those refined grains, um, particularly right. in the form of flour. So, you know, white flour is, is about as bad for you as sugar is. So, mm-hmm. so, so stay away from that. Um, as well as what they call commercial or pre-cooked pasta. Um, right. but the, 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 the very kind of happy news for me was the fact that regular pasta cooked al dente in particular is fine for you. Right. Yep. So it has uh-huh. actually a low glycemic index, which indicates that it isn't very quickly um, uh, it, it digested and turned into into glucose in your in your system. Right. Um, so that's something I think a lot of people don't realize too. Is and I, that's something that I think whenever I tell people, they've never heard that before. So like one of the absolute worst things you can eat is quick one minute rice or that rice that's already basically cooked and you just put the bag in the microwave. Um, Same thing with, and I haven't seen these until recently, but like you said, that ready-made pasta, the pasta that's already Mm -hmm. been cooked, you just put it up in in the microwave Um, because the glycemic index on those is so high. Whereas if you are making the pasta and cooking it a little bit al dente, it's processed like like a completely different food. Um, it's broken down much more slowly and releases into your bloodstream more slowly. And it's, um, higher in, you know, insoluble fibers. And, um, it becomes a food, like you said, that's, you know, totally welcome and part of a healthy diet. But if you're overcooking, um, or if you're doing that ready-made stuff, it's like the complete opposite. Right. And, and that goes for white rice as well. It's, it's, it's fine yeah. as long as it's not that pre-cooked white rice. Yeah. That in one minute, that quick one minute rice, just like quick one minute oats are not great for you. Yep. Now we should say that what you dress your rice or pasta <laughs> with makes a difference. Yes. So if you're having it, let's say um, Alfredo with a, you know, 
cheesy white sauce mm-hmm. um, with all kinds of calories and all kinds of saturated fat, probably you've lost any health benefit from that sucker. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing it the way they do in the Mediterranean, so it's uh, either a tomato sauce, fresh tomato sauce, with which and a fresh tomato sauce is just tomatoes, a little bit of olive oil. Um, you might have some cloves of garlic in there. You might have a little basil in there, a little bit of salt and pepper, and that is it. Right. That's, that's it's it's simple. Um, or you can just dress it with olive oil or what they call a sofrito sauce, um, mm-hmm. which is which it has a, a, olive oil in it as well. And and we should we should differentiate also um, that it's when we talk olive oil and, and the beneficial olive oil, we're talking specifically of extra virgin olive oil. Mm-hmm. So that is a lower processed olive oil. It has all those good polyphenols in it, whereas regular, let's say non-extra virgin olive oil is going to miss a lot of those and not be anywhere near as health, healthy for you. Yep. So those are all the, those are all the foods. Um, so beverages on this diet, obviously water. Yep. It's mostly water. Fine. Still or sparkling. Sparkling water is fine. Um, but mostly water. And then coffee is a big um, beverage. I mean, all over the, the world, but definitely in. <laughs> big for you in particular. <laughs> well, I mean, I think most places, I think it's probably even more popular in, you know, Spain and Italy and um, right, the espresso. And yep. Um, yep. so that's fine. And teas, unsweetened teas. So unsweetened coffee, unsweetened teas. Um, also carry a lot of antioxidants and polyphenols. Coffee is a coffee itself um, is has all kinds of positive health benefits. So those things are fine. Um, but in general, you want to watch what you're putting in them, and then making sure that you're otherwise also getting plenty of water. Right now, the other good news in this study was, or in this report, was that um, alcohol is okay, particularly dry red wine is recommended. So. So I think so. When we want to be careful with that, because we did a podcast not too long ago about how no amount of alcohol is good for you. Um, I so, try to forget that one. Yeah, <laughs> and that's still very true. Um, so I think it was debunked that um, drinking wine once a day in in moderation, just one or two glasses, is better for you cardiovascularly than not drinking it. Um, and we proved or we were we kind of reviewed studies that show that 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 was kind of debunked um so that one i'd be careful with yeah that's that's still controversial to some extent fortunately i never drink more than two classes classes of wine a day ever never Never. not ever so i'm I'm fine there so (laughs) um so the last component of it isn't isn't something you eat but when you eat so this this idea of intermittent fasting, and again, we've done a whole podcast on this, so listeners can go back. Um, but they are proposing that um, that having a, a break, either twelve to somewhere between twelve to sixteen hours, where you don't eat, is going to be better for you because that's the way we evolved um, as you know our ancestors, you know, and even you know up until a couple hundred years ago, people just generally did not eat you know, every waking hour of the day. Right. Yep. So, so not what you eat, but when you eat um, is, yeah. is really important. And we've kind of talked about that a lot in the past, but keeping your insulin levels low for a longer portion of the day is what you want to 
try to achieve. Whereas if you're eating from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, even if it's healthy foods, you're constantly activating your insulin um, and you're constantly kind of replenishing your glycogen stores. So if you can prolong your fasted state when insulin levels stay low, glycogen stores stay low, um, you mobilize more fats from um, fat cells instead to convert that to glucose. Um, you become a lot more sensitive to your insulin and um, there's there's a lot of studies that show like inflammation is lower inflammatory markers are lower um, so yeah and that, oh. that whole that whole insulin um, level control is is really also the key to any sort of, of chance of, of having maintaining um, a, a healthy weight and at the same time not suffering because I think right. when you're when your insulin levels are, are high, your body can only store fat. It can't access that fat as energy. So it, it, if, if your insulin levels are high um, and you're not eating calories, then you're going to get hunger pangs because right. you, you're, you by definition have an energy deficit that you can't, you can't solve endogenously like within your, your fat stores. Right. So, so having your body cycle and every once in a while during the day, having to to um, to burn fat for energy, it, it, it adapts to that. And, and some some people, if you if you don't um, if you if you're eating lots of, of processed foods or eating constantly, your body never gets into that mode. Right. Right. And it, it can't essentially, I think that's called calorie partitioning. But. And that's, you know, back used to hear like, oh, eat six small meals a day. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's funny. That's that. That's how I guess nutrition it shows you how nutritional advice evolves. Changes. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, again, much more on that particular um, um, issue, uh, intermittent fasting and time restricted feeding in a previous podcast. Um, I think we've covered this this pretty well. Um, I think for me personally, uh, my takeaway from this is I got to eat more. Uh, I have to eat generally more fish and seafood. I probably eat seafood once, maybe twice a week. Um, so to get to three or, or times or more, I've got to eat more. Other than that, I'm doing pretty good on the rest of it. Probably, therefore, I have to eat less meat. Um, and obviously, you know, processed carbs are always the, the challenge. Yes, um, I I would agree. Same kind, same thing. Um, we do really well with fruits and vegetables, limited alcohol, and um, lots of beans in our diet, lots of um, healthy nuts in our diet, but there's still the snacking and my kids are still eating goldfish um, and, you know, yeah. balance. That's why I hey, say but 80, it, 20. It, it, exactly. It's, it's 100% is virtually impossible, but okay. Well, thanks, Nicole. This was, went a little long, but um, I think it was um, packed with, with good info and, um, and I'm uh, committed to living a pesco Mediterranean life. That's for sure. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Have a good one. You too. Take care. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com. That's spelled T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information and show notes is at the user's own risk.
The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.